0: How many of you freshmen, your head is swimming right now, right? It's this time of the year. You're like, what, what did we just, where do I have to be? Where, what's the SLC? What are we doing for, there's a parade. Um, I'm sitting down here today going, I I can't keep up. uh, uh, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to, I got to decorate a float. I got to go march in a parade. Uh, I'm just going to drive around campus today and just wave at everybody. Like I'm in a parade, whatever I have to do. But, uh, man, it's a great, what a great class. Good to see everybody here. I'm so thankful that you had the faith to step out and come to West Coast Baptist college. And that is a step of faith and God always honors faith. And I can tell you this right now. You might be wondering, what am I doing? What did I just do? Well, I'll tell you what you did. You stepped out by faith and I can promise you right now, you just need to say this in your heart. I pleased God. Without faith, it's impossible to please them. when you do something by faith, God's pleased with that. And uh, you might not be pleased with your roommate, and they might not be pleased with you. But God's pleased with you, so that's all they need to know, so that they can just take that. And that's, just tell your roommates, I walk by faith, God's pleased with me. And uh, No, be a peacemaker, we'll talk, we're going to get into that. Find in your Bible, Acts chapter 4. Uh, thank you, Dr. Gedge and Dr. R., and Dr. Shetler, and just all the faculty, and good to see the weavers, and... Um, I'm just uh, so grateful. I got to see Brother Choi this morning. And what a great, what a great man of God he is. I love, I love his spirit and uh, just a joy to be on campus and uh, looking forward to being here today and tomorrow and seeing what God has. These are exciting days to be alive. I mean, this is crazy. Everything that's going on in the world. I'm just standing back going, wow, I'm glad that this is not my home. I'm just passing through. Have you ever driven through like a homeless camp and thought, "Man, I'm glad I don't live here." You ever thought that? We we have them at we have them at our place and around Denver and and homelessness and and we we try to reach and and do everything we can to get the gospel and, but man, have you ever just driven to those camps and think, "Man, I'm just I'm glad I have a home. Uh, I'm going. I'm I'm heading to my house. I got a I got a I got a nice bed and a roof over my head and a shower and." And, uh, you know, that's what I, I, I just flew over last night. We we're coming in I was landing in LA about 11 o'clock last night. We we're flying over, just looking out the window at all those lights. And I just thought uh, those people just got home 11 o'clock at night. They just fought traffic to get back home. They're going to sleep for a few hours. They're going to get up. They're going to get in traffic. They're going to drive to a job today. And uh, for most of those people, they're just one day at a time, just the grind And they're living for whatever they can get in this world. And I just prayed coming over the top of that that city last night. I thought behind every light is a broken heart. That beautiful scene of all those lights in the city are just lost people. They need the gospel. And I just rejoiced for a moment. I said, you know, Lord, I'm I'm so thankful that I know you. And that I got saved. That of all these millions of people, I get to go to heaven. This world is not my home. Uh, I don't I don't I'm not living for just what's here. I'm on my way to heaven. And I'm so grateful for that. And you ought to be as well. Just rejoice in the Lord for what God has given you. The world uh, the world has nothing to offer. We have everything to offer the world. And so we're not going to be intimidated by it. We're going to go out. We're going to, you're going to get charged up here. You're going to get, you're going to get grounded and you're going to go from here as laborers into the harvest and God's going to use you to change the world. God's going to use you to change lives and see, uh, all around the world, mission field in, in America, uh, around the world. Doesn't matter where God sends you. Just go where God sends you and be what God wants you to be. And we're going to look at that today. I want you to find acts chapter four, acts chapter four. Dr. Getch was talking about this a minute ago about the, uh, the people coming on campus and, uh, and saying, man, your students are so happy and everybody's wearing masks. And how can you see, you can tell a lot about somebody you, I think you can tell more about somebody when they're wearing a mask. Cause you see the eyes and the eyes don't lie. I was on an airplane flying out of Evansville, Indiana, flying to Atlanta to connect to Denver. I wasn't even supposed to be on this plane there was a there was a a mechanical issue and so the airlines changed my flight and so i'm on the way to the airport they changed my flight i thought man this is going to work out great i'm going to get on an earlier flight even though i got to go to atlanta first i'm still going to be home a little earlier this is going to be tremendous i get on this plane it's one of those little tiny planes that you know you get in and you kind of like you put the plane on and it was one of those and I just preached at this, I just preached at this youth conference and there were several colleges represented there. And so one of the reps from another college was on the plane and he was sitting up a couple rows in front of me and the plane was primarily empty. And there was probably, there was probably 15 people on the whole plane. And it wasn't a big plane, but I'm sitting in my seat and I got the whole row to myself and man, I thought this is great. So I kind of spread some stuff out. I'm going to do some work. Well, we get up in there and it's, it's only about an hour, hour and 15 minute flight. Well, if you've ever flown much, you know that when you get about 30 minutes from your destination, you kind of feel the plane go, "Hmm." it slows down. In just a second, the pilot's going to be like, "Uh, folks, uh, from the flight deck, we're beginning our initial descent, and uh, flight attendants, please prepare the cabin. And then they come in, make you put your seat back up, table up, and all that stuff, right? You know, so I'm waiting. So we feel the plane like, "Hmm." so I got 30 minutes, we're about to go. Well, we just keep flying. And we fly, and we fly, and we fly, and 30 minutes goes by, and we're not on the ground. And we should be on the ground. And we're not on the ground. And, and I started looking around, and you can see people like, you can just, you know, everybody's masked. And you can just see people like peek up, and they're just kind of like, you know, looking around. And, and then all of a sudden, you're like, ah, folks, uh, this is your captain from the flight deck. A uh, little update here. Uh, uh, folks, uh, on our initial descent, we, uh, encountered a, uh, mechanical issue with the aircraft. Uh, we have no flight control system. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, we're flying. <laughs> we want to control that. I don't know what that system does, but if it controls the flight, we probably need that system. <clears throat> and he's like, uh, uh, so we're assessing the situation and, uh. Everything's going to be fine, uh, especially when we get on the ground. I'm like, okay. I just want to make sure that we're fine getting to the ground. You know, I mean, we're going to go to the ground one way or the other. I just want to do that with control and the flight control system. And so he's like, uh, uh, and so uh, 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 we'll uh, update you in a moment. I look around the cabin and all I see is fire. Fear everywhere I mean the, the, the rep from the other college looks at me and all I can see is like he's got a mask on but his eyes are going we're gonna die everybody everybody on that plane is just freaking out and I gotta tell you I'm gonna be honest with you I'm totally honest with you for about five minutes I went oh, I'm gonna die today This is a reality. And so I immediately just went, okay, um, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. God, I know that I haven't kept all the commandments, but I have Jesus. And so, I'm I'm telling you, you think I'm kidding. I started going back through, okay. All right, what does the Bible say? (laughs) What does it really say? Were there any contingencies in this? Nothing in my hands I bring, Lord. So anyway, I'm, I, I went through and I assessed, made sure I was saved. I'm not, I'm not kidding, I really did. I just went back through that, made sure, okay. And then I pulled my phone out and I started looking through pictures, looked at my wife and I just said, Lord, I'm so grateful for Michelle, 25 years. What a beautiful wife. Uh, Lord, I hope I get to see her tonight. I'd like to to see her one more time. Maybe just for 25 years more one more time. Um, And then I started looking at my kids, and I, I looked through some pictures, and I just started thanking God. I said, you know, Lord, if today were the end, it's been a wonderful time. And you've been good to me. Well, the lady in front of me was not having that experience. (laughs) You know, when they tell you, uh, folks, uh, when the oxygen mask falls from the ceiling, you pull it towards you, put the mask around your face, you know, even though the bag doesn't inflate, oxygen is flowing, just breathe normally, right? Well, they could throw the whole breathe normally thing out because nobody's breathing normally. Everybody's like, you know, they're doing that business. And I'm thinking, why do we have a life preserver? We're over Atlanta. We're, 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 we're over the mainland. I don't need a life preserver. I need a parachute. Why don't they do that? And why don't they have parachutes on the plane? Like if it's like, we're falling, just, you know, and then we'll just kind of flow down. Like, why is it that the black box is going to survive and I'm not going to survive? Make the whole plane out of the black box stuff so they can find the whole plane with us in it. I mean, I got a lot of things going through my mind right now. So I leaned forward and I kind of put my hand up there and I, and I, and I you know, kind of rubbed this lady's shoulder and said, ma'am, and she, what? And I said, I said are, are, are you okay? She said, no, I'm not okay. And I said, well, listen, I, I, wanna, I wanna just ask you a question. Do, do you know Jesus? Why would you ask me that? I said, well, we, we might meet him today. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to introduce you before we get there. And so I, I just started telling her, you know, I said, here, let, let me just tell you what the Bible says. And so I just kind of, I just started, you know, God loves you and we're all sinners and Jesus loves you and he died for you. And there's no fear if we know Jesus. And, and so I just began to share the gospel with her and, and talk to her. And I just, I just re- leaned forward and prayed with her, you know, through the, through the seat. Well, then the pilot comes on and goes, Ah, oh, folks, uh, from the flight deck, a little update for you. <laughs> We're going to land at, uh, we just can't control our speed. So we have to land at full speed. And, uh, and it's raining in Atlanta, folks. Uh, torrential rains. So this should be exciting. He said, now when we get in, you're going to see, uh, you're going to see emergency vehicles down the runway. Uh, don't be alarmed. I'm like, too late for that. Captain obvious. So we we are coming in and, and we pop through the cloud layer and we're about maybe 500 feet off the ground. Well, when you land normally, you're moving. But when you're flying at 500 knots and you're 500 feet off the ground, houses are like, like that. And the next thing I know is I look up and I see out the window, I see nothing but emergency. Vehicles down this runway and at the last second the pilot just throws the nose of the plane up I'm like we're gonna launch into orbit right now (laughs) He just decided we're gonna go to space (laughs) We just look like that and then and then that plane just touched down Like a mother's love so gentle and soft And then man we stopped it took the whole runway to stop us and everybody in that plane, they start cheering. Everybody's going crazy. All their eyes are like, uh, you know, we lived, but I almost died. And I still got to take a flight back home. I'm renting a car. That's what everybody's eyes were saying. And, um, and so we, we got off the plane. And, and when I'm going by, I, the pilot steps out of the cabin to, to, you know, to be congratulated. And I look at this guy. I'm like, does your mom know that you're flying a plane? He was like 15 years old. Like my life was in your, did you make your bed this morning? What in the world? I just walked away and I said, Lord, I am so glad that you were the pilot. But I want to tell you that when people around me were were afraid and I was afraid Uh, It was a joy to know that I knew Jesus and that I could share that in a crazy way with other people. And we're going to look at a guy today for just a few minutes. I want you to see something. Look at Acts chapter four, Acts chapter four. Look at verse number 32 and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they all had, uh, all things common and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. What a church, great power, great grace in chapter five, there'll be great fear. That's what the three things that make a great church, great power, great grace, and great fear. But then it says in verse number 34, neither was there any of them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles feet and distribution was made unto every man. Now, let me tell you why this is going on. There's a couple of reasons for it. One, we're on Jewish ground in Acts chapter one through Acts chapter seven. We're on Jewish ground. It's the third and final offering of the kingdom now through the power of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom was offered by a man whose name was John, who was sent by God and The Jews rejected his message and killed him. Then God sent His own Son, who presented the gospel of the kingdom to the Jews, and the Jews rejected and killed God's Son. And now Jesus said in Matthew 12, "You can you can sin against the Father and it be forgiven you. You can sin against the Son. He's speaking to the to the to the Israel uh, leaders. You can sin against the Son and it be forgiven you. But if you sin against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven you in this life nor in the life to come. And so it's the unpardonable sin if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit." You reject him, uh, that final offer. And so when we come to the book of Acts, we see Jesus now has sent the Holy Spirit And Jewish people are being saved by the thousands. If you remember in Acts 2, they had traveled from all over the known world. They were there in Jerusalem for the the Feast of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church, baptizing them into one body. And with great signs and wonders and with great miracles, the apostles gave testimony to the coming of the Holy Spirit, which was an indication that Jesus Christ was alive and that what he had said was true and that he was the Messiah and he was on the throne. And you have rejected him. And the disciples are preaching the gospel with the power of the Holy Spirit. And thousands of people are being saved. And many of these people that have been saved. They are now leaving their homes. They don't go back home. They're staying in Jerusalem. They want to learn and they want to be discipled and they want to grow. And they're part of this this thriving church, but they're displaced. And so the Jews, these Jewish believers are bringing in goods and they're selling their houses and their lands. And they're distributing to people as they have need. Uh, Because people in this day were having great need. They were away from home and they were, they were now living in Jerusalem. And so the disciples were taking care of these Jewish believers. And the Bible tells us of one such believer in verse number 36 and Joseph, his name uh, in the new Testament, Joseph, it's the old Testament name of Joseph who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, consolation, meaning encouragement, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Notice this, Joseph, Joseph, a Levite of the little island of Cyprus, he had land. Now, uh, the Levites weren't supposed to have land. When the Levites were coming into the the promised land, the Levites, the tribe of Levi, was not given inheritance in the land. They were to live off of the benevolence and the giving and and the tithes of the other people. But here's a Levite who had land and this guy named Joseph and he he uh, he sells his land and brings that money and gives it to the apostles to distribute. And he said, you know, I'm going to live by faith like God intended us to do as Levites. And this is the right thing to do. But it's interesting thing about this guy named Joseph is that the apostles gave him a nickname. And they nicknamed him Barnabas. How many of you have a nickname? How many of you have a nickname that you don't want anybody to know? Maybe your parents call you something and you would never want. What's yours? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And so I had a nickname growing up. My nickname was Little Dean. My dad is Dean Miller, and I'm the baby of the family. I'm also Dean Miller, but I'm not a junior. My dad goes by his middle name. I go by my middle name, and I was the first one in our family born when my mom and dad were saved, and so when they took me to church, I looked so much like my dad, and everybody called him Dean, that when I came to church, everybody said, oh, he's a Little Dean. And so all my life, I'm little Dean. My sister called me yesterday and she's like, hey, little Dean. I'm like, I'm 48. Brenda. I'm 6'2. i I'm 195 pounds, give or take. I'm not little Dean anymore, but that's my nickname. Now, my wife has nicknames for me. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but there's something about a nickname. And this is the nickname the apostles gave him. His name was Joseph, but they called him Barnabas, a son of consolation son of encouragement. let me let me tell i'm talking to you today what is your name gonna be in this school after this year what what would what would your peers call you i want to show you how they can call you barnabas and i want you to i want you to be a barnabas today through this school year i want you to be a barnabas let me show you why I don't know what all was going on prior to Acts chapter 4 But I know that when we see him He's already been called the son of encouragement He is a consoler He He is a man who has met the need of so many new believers He's been a blessing to the church In these first early chapters of Acts That they've called him a nickname Hey Barney Hey Barney Good to see you man I'm so thankful that God has sent you to us You're such an encouragement let me, let, me, let me give you some ways that I believe Barnabas set himself to be an encourager. Number one, he was a need meter. He was a need meter. In chapter 4 and verse 36, Joseph sold land. In verse 37... And he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas saw the need of so many of these poor saints and he had the means to meet the need. And so he sold his land and he brought it and said, here, distribute this to meet the needs of others. Can I tell you something? If you want to be a Barnabas this semester, if you want to be a Barnabas in this college, you need to get your eyes off of your own needs and get your eyes on the needs of others and look for others' needs to meet. Find ways that you can be a blessing you say well I don't have a whole lot of money and I, 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 I might need this money for my own needs and that's, that's wonderful and I think we ought to be good stewards of what God has given us but let me just remind you let me remind you it's very easy at your stage of life to become self-centered you're making plans about your time and you're making money for yourself and you everything that you do at this stage of life is about you You don't have a family. You don't have children. You don't have a wife. You don't have a husband You don't have others in your life And so if you're not careful at this stage, you can become very self-centered if you want to be a barnabas And you want to be an encourager look for the ways that you can meet the needs of others now, Let me remind you, you you might say well, man, I don't I don't have a whole lot of money. It doesn't take a lot of money it just takes somebody with the heart and the eyes to see the needs of somebody else and meet the need. And, and can I just remind you as well? It's only the seed that gets out of the barn that multiplies. It's the seed that is sown. It's when we give the Bible says, give and it shall be given to you. One of the great marks of a Christian is a Christian as a giver. And you don't always have to give money. You can give some time. You can give words, you can give yourself, but be a need meter. The Bible says in Galatians chapter six and verse number two, we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Can I tell you what you, what will help you this year with your burdens in college? Cause every one of you are going to have them learn to cast that burden on the Lord and then pick up somebody else's burden and help them carry it. And you will enjoy your year in school. Number two, look over at chapter nine of acts very quickly. Chapter two or chapter nine, verse 23. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. Well, whoever the him is, I don't want to be him, but the him is Saul. He's going down the road of Damascus. The Lord Jesus shows up, Saul gets saved. His whole life is transformed. Saul is now a born again believer, and the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying in wait was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. So here are the Jews, they're looking outside the gate, they're watching for Saul to come out of the gate, and they're going to kill him. Saul finds out about it. And the Bible says in verse 25, then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. Do you know how humiliating that had to have been for a guy named Saul? Saul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had the equivalent of four earned PhDs. He was a brilliant man. He was a powerful man. When Paul's, when Saul said something, it happened. He was a man of stature in the, in the Jewish world. And here's this guy in a basket being lowered over a wall by some ed- fishermen by the off scouring of the world by a bunch of uneducated people and what was Saul thinking huddled up in this basket what has my life come to I mean this man was going through a very difficult time this is a humiliation for Saul and let's read on watch this in verse number 26 he gets out of the basket and he goes to Jerusalem and he is saved to join himself to the disciples but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple so here's a guy, the Jews want to kill him, so he comes to the church, and the church, don't want to, the church doesn't want to accept him. And here's a guy in the middle. You know what? You know what Saul experienced? He experienced loneliness. Saul rejected by the Jews. Saul not received by the church. And here's a guy in no man's land. Lonely. Verse 27. But Barnabas. took him. Here's Saul, so lonely. And old Barney just comes over and puts those big old arms around him and said, come here, Saul. Come here. And he just brings him along. Come here. In verse 27, he takes him to the church and he declares unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly in Damascus in the name of Jesus. Here's Barnabas just takes Saul and said, look, he's saved, guys. He's met Jesus face to face. I've talked with him. He's one of us. He's born again. Now, let me tell you what Barnabas did. Barnabas looked for somebody who was lonely. And he put his arms around him. Do you know there, there are some students in this college, you've come here, and some of your family doesn't understand why you came. And then you got here and you don't really have a lot of friends here yet. You could sit in a crowd like this today, in a school like this today, and you could be right in the middle of all this and feel lonely. And some Barnabas' need to find those people and put your arms around them and say, come on, I want to help you assimilate. I want to help you get in. I want to help you make friends. I want to get you into a ministry. I want to help you find, let me, let me walk you around campus. Hey, come hang out with us today. We're going to go over here and play basketball. We're going to go do this. be a Barnabas and help somebody who's lonely. I look through my church sometimes and in the last year, we've had people just wonderfully saved. And people come into church, they got purple hair and tattoos. They've come out of a life of sin and their family rejects them. And they get in church and the church is saying, well, they don't look like us. And sometimes they can just get into a place of loneliness. And I'm so thankful that I have a church full of people who just are Barnabases. Come here, come here and encourage them. Find somebody to meet their needs. Find a lonely person and be a friend. Number three, look at chapter 11, I've got a hustle. Chapter 11, verse number 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phineas and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word of, to none but to the Jews only. And some of, the men, uh, some of them were men of, Cy, of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Grecians preaching the Lord Jesus. Now these are different people of different races. They're not Jews. We met, we met a man from Cyrene before his name was Simon. He helped carry the cross of Christ. He would have been um, a different color than the Jews. He, was, he had differences. And now these are people that are Greeks. And the gospel has been preached to them and they've received it. The Bible says in verse number 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. The tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he was come had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them that with all purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. Now here's, here's what's going on very quickly. You had Gentiles being saved and the word got back to the Jewish believers and the Jews were saying, wait a minute, we're not really sure about these Gentiles coming in. We're not really sure that they understand and we're not really sure that they've really been saved and we don't know what to do with these people who are different. What do we do? Hey, Barnabas, come here. Can you go, can you go see what's going on over there? And Barnabas came into a group of people that would be misunderstood. There there might be some students in here that have come from backgrounds that are not like yours. And and they might be different. They they might even have a few kind of quirky beliefs. (laughs) But thank God they're here. And somebody needs to see, okay, listen, these these Gentiles don't know everything, but they have the grace of God in them. And I'm going to encourage them to cleave to the Lord. I'm going to encourage them to stay with Jesus. But Barnabas didn't go and have theological debates. He went to encourage them to get to Jesus and stay with him. Now those debates would come later and there's some instruction that needed to come. And there are some, there's some room for the doctrine and all of that is vitally important. But can I tell you something? You're never going to get them to know what you believe until they believe that you love them. And Barnabas came to people who were saved but not really like us and he encouraged them. And I love this, look in the same chapter, verse number 25. So I, w- I would say to you, meet needs and find the lonely and help somebody who's misunderstood. And let me say this very quickly, verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Sart- Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when they had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So here's, here, here's the picture, watch this. Here's a whole bunch of people in Antioch that are Gentiles and they're different races and they're, diff- they're not Jews and they're all getting saved. And Barnabas comes and sees great grace and he just encourages them to stay with the Lord. But the Jewish believers back in Jerusalem are not really sure about them. And so Barnabas is like, man, they need some help. They need to grow. They need to learn. They need to be taught the word of God. Who could I find? Oh, hey, Saul, come down here. You're a Pharisee, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. You know the Old Testament Scriptures better than anybody. You know them better than old fisherman Peter. You know the Scriptures better than all those other guys put together. I want to bring Saul down here. And he brought him into Antioch. Let me tell you what he was doing. He was discipling. He brought Saul down and he found Saul a place to serve. He brought him in and he brought him to a place to serve. Aren't you glad he did? Because look what Saul became, because of Barnabas believed. And Let me give this to you lastly, look at chapter 15, chapter 15 and verse number 36. And some days after this is after a big theological debate over the Gentiles that took place at the Jerusalem church. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city, which we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him John whose surname was Mark, but Paul thought no good to take him with them and departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work, and the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. We read later that there was no small dissension I like how the Bible says that There was no small dissension Have you ever had in your dorm room no, Such a no small dissension That the kids from the other end of the hallway Had to come down and find out what was going on <laughs> the, 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 you, ever, you ever had a you know Moms and dads might have a no small dissension That the police have to be called yeah. uh, This is kind of one of those no small dissensions There's some fighting going on Because Mark had quit In that first missionary journey And Paul didn't want him going Barnabas wanted to take him. And Paul said, he's not going with me. But Barnabas went and said, come here, Mark. I'm taking you. Let me tell you how you can be a Barnabas. Find somebody who's failed and encourage them. Maybe maybe a student failed in a class. They they overslept. They absence out. They just blew it. They just had a rough semester. And you don't know all the details, but they just blew it. Encourage them to get back in the game. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to just pat them on the back and congratulate them for their failure, but we're going to confront that. And we're going to say, it's time to get back in the game. Let's, let's get with it. You've learned from this. Let's go. And Barnabas found this one who failed and took him and helped him. You know, it's easy to kick people when they're down. Paul was so focused on the gospel. I think he overlooked this with Mark. But I want to tell you in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul was all by himself in prison about to die. And he said, Demas forsook me. Everybody else has forsook me. And he said, Luke, could you please bring, please, please, Timothy, please bring send Mark. He's profitable to me. Why would he be profitable? I'll tell you why he's profitable. I don't know that Paul ever saw Barnabas after this. But I, I can just see Paul. Sitting in a prison cell. About to die at the end of his life. Everybody forsook him. And he said, you know, I could sure use some Barnabas right now. I I don't know where Barnabas was. Maybe Barnabas was in heaven. I don't know. So he said, hey, get Mark and bring Mark here. Mark is going to smell like Barnabas. He's going to talk like Barnabas. He's going to walk like Barnabas. I need him. He's profitable to me. And now if you read in your Bible in Acts chapter 11 and verse 24, you'll find why Barnabas was this way. He was a good man. He was full of faith in the Holy Spirit. He just didn't have a good genetic disposition. Barnabas had this because he was a good man. Well, let me tell you who's, there's nothing good in us. There's only good in me is Christ in me. Let me tell you why Barnabas was an encourager. Because he was full of Jesus. And he was a man full of faith. And he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. Which means this, when you're full of Jesus and you're full of faith and you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're not full of yourself. And when you're not full of yourself, you find people who are lonely, people who are in need, people who are misunderstood, people who are needing to be discipled, people who are failing, and you love them and you bring them along. Be a barnabas. Be a barnabas to somebody. Who, who will you be a barnabas to this year?